You are listening to the sermon podcast from St. Michael and All Angels Church in Savannah. We are an Episcopal congregation in the Diocese of Georgia, and you can find out more about us by visiting www.stmichaelsavannah.com. In 2010, the chapel at Virginia Seminary caught fire and burned to the ground. Um, uh, I was on the board of the, the seminary at the time. I was actually up at a, a, a diocesan meeting up in the northern end of West Virginia when the phone rang and it was the, one of the secretaries from the school calling to say, there's been a fire in the chapel and the chapel's gone. Um, nobody was in it at the time. Um, happened in the, in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, in fact, right after uh, most of the office buildings around it would have, have emptied out. So nobody was injured, um, but the, the chapel was destroyed. It was a total loss. Um, I, I have to say I was unprepared for my reaction to, to that news because I never really liked that chapel very much. Um, it, it was not lovely, I'm just going to tell you. Um, but it was devastating to hear of, of, its, of its loss. There, there were lots of things that the, the, the chapel didn't do well architecturally and theologically and as a teaching space. It just wasn't anything to write home about. Um, but what really hit me at that moment when I got that news were images of the two parts of the chapel that I loved the most. And that was the floor and the kneelers in the pews. The chapel of the seminary was built in 1881. So by the time I, I got there, in 1991, it had been in use for 110 years. Uh, it was a wood floor uh, that creaked horribly when you walked on it. Uh, it had the fold-down uh, kneeling uh, kneelers like we do in, in the pews, only the pews were longer and the kneelers sagged in the middle so that when you knelt down on them, you were afraid today's the day that I'm breaking through this kneeler. <sighs> Here's why those are my favorites. Um, when I would kneel down on those kneelers and feel them sag beneath us, I couldn't help but think of the countless numbers of men and women over the 110 years before me who had knelt on those same kneelers to say their prayers. And the floor is creaking when you walk up to communion. You can just hear the footsteps of all of those people who are preparing for ministry in the whole world. Because Virginia Seminary has a huge missionary um, uh, focus and it would prepare people for ordained ministry and then send them literally to all corners of, of the earth. It was to me the most wonderful and beautiful part uh, of, of that chapel and in many ways of, of the seminary to think of all of the people who had prayed and worshipped there, who had walked up to that altar rail to be fed with the body of Christ to be strengthened and then to be sent out into the world. And, and that's, what, that's what hit me. Now, the new chapel they have is all pristine and gorgeous and new, and it doesn't creak, and the kneelers don't sag, and 
don't care much for it either. Um, but I, I'm telling you that, telling you about this because I have, um, I have two favorite parts of St. Michael's as well, and uh, I'd almost be willing to bet that none of you can guess what they are. Do you want to guess, Charlene? No. Oh. No. Oh, you're guessing that you're I'm, one of the I'm two. I'm the one, yeah. Oh, Charlene. Bless just, your heart. Just teasing. Yeah. You're so sweet. Of course, you're my favorite, Charlene. <laughs> they don't believe you. They're not, they're not taking that no. for a minute. All right. Here it is. Here are my two favorite parts of the space at St. Michael's. It's the floor and patent hall. <laughs> and those gray chairs. I know, right? I know you're thinking, um, the floor in Patton Hall always looks terrible. Uh, it, it, it does. I don't care how much we mop it or sweep it. Uh, we, we repolish it, and it just looks awful. And the chairs are falling apart. Half of them wobble because we've lost one of the plastic uh, feet out of the bottom. Uh, if you sit down on it, you know all the padding in the seat is gone. And half the time, if you lean back, the back of the chair may pop out behind you. These sound like complaints. They are not. Because how do you think those floors and those chairs got that way? Abuse. It's because of the hundreds of people who find their way into this building every week who scuff up those floors and wear out those chairs for all sorts of different reasons, people from all over our community find their way here for something. Whether it's for AA or the food pantry uh, or the smart seniors line dancing or any of the other groups, they find their way here because there is something here that feeds them and those images to me are beautiful and wonderful images of the way this place opens its doors to and welcomes our community to come in and experience some of what we find here. Now, if you're wondering what any of this has to do with the gospel uh, appointed for today, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> we uh, continue today where we left off last Sunday uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking to his disciples about what life is like in the kingdom. And, and he continues that business of, well, you've heard that it was said, but I say to you. Where he seems to raise the bar on what is expected uh, for, for people who intend to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And today he seems to point out, this is how you should live with one another in a way that points so clearly to, to humility and to gentleness. And some of the phrases he uses have really worked their way into our language, even outside the church, right? Turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. Those get used all the time, uh, everywhere from church to TV commercials. But I want to suggest to you that there is a deeper meaning behind what Jesus is saying than maybe we realize all the time. So a little context. Remember that at the time that Jesus lived, he's speaking to the um, Israelite people, the Jewish nation, who are under Roman occupation. They are uh, 
occupied by the Roman Empire. They are surrounded most of the time by Roman soldiers who have complete control over everything that, that they do. And while Rome, I'm certain the emperor, considered themselves um, wise and generally benevolent, and they prided themselves on the kind of freedom that they allowed their occupied people, those, um, um, those high ideals didn't always filter down to the soldiers. And in fact, Roman soldiers were known to be uh, particularly cruel and oppressive to the people who were, whom they, they subjugated. So all Roman soldiers, by the way, are right-handed. Did you know that? There were no, there were no lefties in the Roman Empire. Uh, Rome prided itself on order and uniformity, and you follow the rules. And if you don't follow the rules, there are consequences. And so they tended to rule by threat and oppression and force and power. And if the threat wasn't enough, they would just go to war with you and conquer you. So when Jesus is speaking to his listeners and he says to them, look what he says. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. On the right cheek. Now think about that. If everybody around you is right-handed and they're going to hit you with their, on, on your right cheek, <coughs> the only way they can do that <coughs> is if they hit you with the back of their hand, which is how you hit an inferior or a slave. Jesus doesn't say, hit them back. But what he says is, don't let them get away with treating you that way. If they're going to hit you, let them hit you on the left side, the way that you would hit an equal. He says, if someone wants to take your cloak, give them your coat as well. Sounds very generous. And it is. I don't, I don't want to undercut any of that. But <laughs> Roman soldiers were also allowed to take the, order, the outer garment of any male citizen around for themselves anytime they wanted it. But they couldn't take the next layer because, you know, that would be too much. So what does Jesus say? If they're going to take one, give them the other so that you have some control over what happens to you. Um, lastly, Roman soldiers were allowed to conscript male citizens anytime they wanted to and make them carry all of their soldiers' gear and stuff for exactly one mile, but no more. Because more than one mile, again, would be cruel. They loved to do this particularly on the Sabbath day when they knew the Jews know they're not supposed to do any work. So they put them in this terrible position of breaking the laws of their faith or breaking the laws of the empire and facing punishment and certain death. And so what does Jesus say? If he's going to make carry it one mile, carry it two. Just to shame him. To show him that you are in control of what happens to you. What Jesus is doing is giving them some way to take back some measure of their dignity and their self-worth. Because what's clear is that Jesus cares about those things. 
that Jesus cares about those things in this life as well as in the life to come. Because respect and dignity and value are the qualities that God imbued us with at creation. And what Jesus says to them is, do not let the world by force of threat or violence take away from you what God has given to you. It belongs rightfully to you. That's what I think that we do for the folks who come through our doors during the week is that we offer them back some measure of control to their lives. We offer them back some degree of respect and dignity and self-value that they may have lost to the world. If you don't believe me, just come down here on a Monday or Thursday and watch what happens at the food pantry. When our guests come to the door, we don't just hand them a bag of food and send them on their way, which would be good enough, I suppose. But our folks know them by name. They invite them in and sit them down and call them by name and ask them about their lives and about their families because they know who they are. They know what's going on and they care about them. If you look in our, in our prayer book in the baptismal service under the baptismal covenant, one of the questions, one of the promises that we make in that covenant is that we will strive for justice and peace and respect the dignity of every human being. And those words weren't chosen by accident. They were picked very carefully. Justice, peace, respect, and dignity because those are hallmarks of life in the kingdom. It's what we expect that the life to come looks like. What Jesus offers the people then and us now are those marks in this life to show us that the resurrection isn't just the means to go from this life to the next, but that it has power in this life to transform this world more and more into an image of the kingdom of God. This whole gospel reading winds up with Jesus tell, telling us that we are to love one another in the same way that God loves us. And what better way to love one another than to give one another the respect and dignity and worth that God intended. Marks of the life in the kingdom available to us here in this life. Amen. Amen. Amen.